And so um, we're on this thing, uh, the Holy Spirit. We're obviously going to talk about Easter this morning, um, but I want to talk about uh, this first story is called Lost and Found. And I just want to talk uh, to you guys for a moment about this feeling, right, of being lost. And maybe some of you, um, you, it is, maybe you don't have to go back too far. Maybe you, some of you have to go back like a few decades to remember this. But does anybody remember being lost either in a store or at a fair or somewhere as a kid, right? It is the most horrible feeling. Now, some of you were the type of people that were actually trying to get away from your parents, okay? Like you were running actively in pursuit of getting lost, all right? Uh, and then Others of you were more like the wandering type, okay? So you always had your head in the stars, all right? Um, they always ask, does, does he or she live on planet Earth? You, yes, okay? There's some of you in the room that are still like that. And so here is the deal, though. When we, when we wander, right, and we don't even know that we're lost, all right? And that feeling, it felt good for a moment. If you were the kid that was running away, it felt good for a moment wondering. It felt good for a moment. And then I remember specifically being lost in a store. And, uh, and I didn't even, I was the second type of kid. Um, uh, not that I never was the first type of kid. All right. And so in this, in this circumstance, I was the second type of kid. I was the wanderer. And I was just wondering. And the next thing I know, I look around and I realize that the person that is caring for me, my mom, is not there. And not only is she not there, she's not anywhere to be found. And, and so this moment of uh, felt like maybe adventure, all right? And at first it didn't feel like anything because I didn't even know I was lost. But then it felt like this like adventure for a split second. And then once that split second passed for me, it just felt like hopelessness. And because there's this thing that's in you, and, and the only way I can say it is like, it's, it's both physical and mental. Like you feel this physical tension and you feel this mental anguish right? And so you're lost in this place where you don't know where anything is, all right? And so this feeling of, of panic sets in, and you have thoughts, innumerable thoughts, right, about, oh my gosh, you know, you're not thinking about like your portfolio and all this. As a kid, you're thinking of, dude, what am I supposed to do, all right? And, and so you have all these thoughts about being taken or these thoughts maybe about being lost forever, right? Because forever for you is five minutes as a kid, right? And, and so it goes on. Now, fortunately, I was found, all right? And I'll, that, that is met with an opposite feeling, right? Actually, it's the exact opposite feeling. It's this feeling of hope. And so now you've been found, okay, and, and from this. And, and that feeling started as soon as I saw my mom turn the corner, right? As soon as I laid eyes on the one that cared for me most, I knew that I was going to be okay. And it's in that moment that I realized, man, there, this, is where, this is where safety is, right? As a kid. And you almost, you're to the point too where you're like, I never want to feel that again. But through life, I felt it again. And, and so I want to just talk about kind of that this morning. Um, but let's pray first. Almighty God, who through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, overcame death and opened to us the gates of everlasting life. Grant that I, who celebrate with joy the day of the Lord's resurrection, may be raised from the death of sin by your life-giving Spirit, 
through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So I want to start with a question this morning, and it's death who? I love this question because I think it's just so important that we answer this question. Death who? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 54 uh, through 55, it says this. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? And see, death has been defeated by Jesus Christ. And death, not just for defeat's sake, it's so that we can live life to the fullest in Jesus. And the fullest life is found in Jesus. And so you may be sitting here today, though, and you may realize that, and maybe you're not recognizing that, and maybe you're asking another question. Okay, yeah, I, you might even be saying, yeah, I believe that, but why do I still feel despair in my life? And I believe, listen, I believe we can fake it, and we can pretend, like we were joking around with somebody after service today, she was talking about being stressed, and I was like, I don't even know what that is. I don't know what it, I'm, I'm, I'm too blessed to be stressed. You ever heard these little sayings that you want too anointed to be disappointed? I want to slap people when they say things like this. I'm just going to be honest with you. And, and so uh, it's just these little rhymes and you're like, why did you say that? Like, stop it, okay? Because you're not living in a reality that I'm living in. So we ask these questions, why is there still despair in my life? And I honestly, this morning, I want to just tell you that, that if you're th- thinking that, thank you for thinking that. Because here's what you're doing, what a lot of people don't do, is you're thinking. And you're asking real questions. And you're not pretending like everything's just okay. And so I want to lead to our next um, section, which is called despair, resurrection, disbelief, hope. And so death's been defeated. Uh, we, we, in, the, in the Gospels, we call them the Gospels. It's the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In, in chapters 28, 16, 24, and 20, we read about this miraculous resurrection that happens. And it is a beautiful thing. But I think that we need to talk, if we're going to talk about despair, we need to kind of talk about uh, the chapters before, Right? And so if we're going to deal with this, we have to deal with 27, 15, 23, and 19. I want to spend a little time there, but the way I want to do it this morning is I want to to walk through these steps, despair, resurrection, disbelief, and hope, and I want to walk through them with you, and I want to just, I want us to to get into the story today, all right? And so for you and for me, it's going to take a moment where we're going to have to like kind of disconnect what's going on right now, all right? And we're kind of going to have to connect with this story, and I just... I just want to tell you the, the story of the resurrection um, in kind of this way. I want you to imagine yourself um, as this follower of the teacher, all right, this great teacher uh, that comes by, and, and he asks you, hey, will you drop everything and follow me? And now for some of you, you were like, I don't really have that much to drop. For sure, I will follow you. Like, literally, I have nothing going on in my life right now. For others of you, you have a lot to drop. You have careers that might be making great money. You have family, and you might have to drop these to the side to follow this teacher. And, and as you follow this teacher, you, you've given up three years of your life now. 
And in this three-year period, what you've seen is, is this teacher who's, who's brought transformation to people. He's brought people back from the dead. He's done some really amazing stuff. He's not only brought hope to individuals, but he's brought hope to entire communities. And so you're watching this, and you, everything's going good. You still don't get the stories he tells they're like over your head, and then he has to explain them again, and you kind of get them, but you're looking at your body like, what was, okay, what is that? And he, he you know, he, he gets a little upset with you. He's like, dude, are you serious? Here's what it means, and then it finally sinks into you, but, but not fully, all right, because this, he's a masterful storyteller, and he's so he's doing all this cool stuff, and here's the bonus. You think that he's going to overturn the largest empire in the world and establish his kingdom, and you're on the leadership team. You're the secretary of sandals. I don't know what you are, but you're the secretary of something. And, and, and so this is going on here, and you think it's great. And then suddenly, it all changes. One of the people, one of your buddies, one of the people that you've gotten to know over these three years as you're following this teacher betrays the teacher. Betrays the one that you know is good and hands him in as if he was a criminal. And then, and then to make things more complex, he's put in this trial, right, in this court, but it's a sham, and you know it is. They're, just, they're running him through. The verdict has already been decided. You know that it's been decided. You can see in the way that they're dealing with it that it's completely unfair and bogus. Then after that, you see this person that you love getting just beaten up. And I don't mean beaten up. I mean physically decimated to the point where you don't even recognize this person. And then, and then, just to top it all off, you see this person get killed by people who you once followed. It's tough, right? And so there's this despair. Are you full of despair? Are you confused? Are you angry? I think the answer would probably be yes to all of those things. And then, let me just say, three days later, your life still is awful. Why? Because Three days later, you're so confused as to what the plan was going so well. What the heck happened? Your whole world has been turned upside down, and suddenly you hear one of your friends screaming at the top of her lungs. And your thought is, she is getting killed right now. You ever heard that kind of scream? If you follow Jen Husline on Instagram or any other social media where she had a squirrel in her house and it jumped towards her, 
That scream was priceless. But it's that kind of scream that this guy's hearing. You guys have heard this scream. You've heard people run. You've heard people in panic come to you where you've had to like calm them down before you could understand what they're saying to you. And sometimes it's happened to you where it's been very bad. Sometimes it's happened to you where it's been very good. But you've had to calm them down. And so this friend comes. She's screaming. You have to just say, yo, yo, whoa, 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 whoa. Settle. I cannot hear you. I hear you, but I can't hear you. I can't understand you. And so this friend is telling you this story. Now, you got to understand, this is in the middle of your heart being so full of just pain that you physically feel the tension in your chest. Now you add on your friend who's screaming. Can you imagine the moment of anxiety that is happening right now? Okay? And you hear her out, and she says this through tears of joy and confusion. She says, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. I went to the tomb, and there was this angel there, and he told me not to be afraid. And I didn't really listen because I was like certainly afraid because there was an angel there and he told me, why are you there? And I was like, I'm coming to check on Jesus. And he goes, don't you remember that Jesus said he was going to be killed and then he would be risen again in three days? But I didn't remember that because there's so much going on. And I, sure enough, I looked in the tomb and there was nothing there but his clothes and the body was gone. And you're sitting there thinking, wow, I feel sorry for her. I mean, she's clearly so distraught that she's delusional. But there's a part of you when she said, don't you remember that Jesus talked about being raised? There's a part of you that the brain started working. And then the brain started working, and you thought to yourself, maybe she just isn't hallucinating. Maybe it wasn't the pita bread she ate last night. Maybe there's something going on here, and something in you begins to stir. Something in you where you recall what Jesus said, and you go, and you are running, and you're going with your buddies. Guys, this lady just told me this. She's pretty reliable. She's been with us the whole time. I don't know if I believe it or not. And what starts as a fast-paced walk turns into a run and turns into a sprint and turns into a race to the tomb where you look in and you realize that he is not there, but the clothes are there. And you begin to have a different kind of hope, one that's filled with a lot of confusion. Before it was despair, now it's hope. And you're like, what is going on? I, like Jesus, I think Jesus is like actually alive. Like He is alive. And then... He appears to you, and He's there, and it's not in a 
a ghostly thing where he floats into the room. Like, hello. All right. And he's translucent. And you're like, what? Hey, this is, see, this is weird. No, he's there. Dude, one morning he made breakfast for you. You ever think that had to be the best breakfast ever? I mean, Jesus is cooking for you. Hello. That had to be a good breakfast. And so he's there. And so in hope, you're so filled with joy that you almost lay a golden egg. Okay, which is our next section actually called the golden egg. And I want to I talk about this because I'm referring this morning to the resurrection as the golden egg. And when I do it, I do it in complete reverence. I'm dead serious. Because when we, you ever thought as a kid, you wanted to, what did you want to do on the Easter egg hunt? Did you want to find the pastel yellow, pink, and blue? No! If you were like me, you had, well, maybe you weren't like me. I had like Bukuza cousins. I think 14, maybe something like that. And, you know, it's always the older kids that are finding the golden egg. Why'd you put it in the tree? No one can see it. But when you found it, it was on like Donkey Kong. You brought it in like, presented, okay? And so it was a prize. And what I want to talk about this morning, if you look with me in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul, the author of this book, is going to talk about resurrection. And, and, and 1 through 11 basically says this. Look, we've been preaching the good news about Jesus, all right, and and, and, and it's true, and, and Jesus showed up to the 12, and then he showed up to 500, and then for some reason that I can't understand, Paul speaking here says, he showed up to me, and I believe. And then he goes on in fifteen twelve, and he says this, but tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the dead, but that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope is in Christ, our, our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of the grace, great harvest all who have died. You see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to resurrection. Christ was raised first of the harvest, and then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. There's life in the resurrection. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Everything revolves around the resurrection. 
everything. See, Jesus could have been born. Jesus could have done all this cool stuff, but there, there's no resurrection. There's no life. Do we under, I mean, are we getting this? Everything falls on the resurrection. Or should I say everything rises on the resurrection? See, we have a pile of stories that we would stand on, and they would be great stories, but without resurrection, we literally have nothing. The resurrection is what brings hope to everyone. The resurrection is truly the golden egg. And if we read again another writing of Paul in Romans 6, check this out with me. Romans 6, um, 3 and 4, it says this, that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, we are now we also may live new lives. And it goes on in 17 and 18. It says this, Thank God once we were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey the teaching we have given you. Now you are free from slavery to sin and have become slaves of righteous living. I'm going to need you guys to calm down. I've got to make it through this. Just please settle, okay? Think about this, though, for a second. You were Because if you were there, right, if you were like the kid that was lost, and maybe you didn't even know you were lost, or maybe you were running away from God, but now you're no longer obligated to that way of life, that you are found, that you were once bound in this life, in this slavery of sin, but now you're bound in the slavery of righteousness through Christ Jesus. In Romans 8, 11, it says this, and I want us to think about this, and this is a tough thing for people to do, right, is to think. We want to be spoon-fed everything. Andy, please spoon-feed me my faith. I don't want to. I don't think it's my job. I really don't. I think it's our jobs to contemplate what's going on. Isn't it great to see kids when they realize that the faith is their own? Isn't it great to see adults realize that the faith is their own? That it's not really based on anybody else's belief. It's what, what do you believe? What is it? Do you believe that Christ Jesus is Lord? And do you believe that, that you are actually freed from sin? that you're no longer obligated to it. And in 8.11, it says this. It's an awesome verse, and I want to contemplate this for a little bit this morning, and I'd love for you to contemplate this later on today and really throughout your life. And I mean that with all sincerity is this. It says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Now, I want us to, to chew on that for a little bit. I want us to take a moment to contemplate that the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. What? Is that, can that really be true? Is that, is that something that is real? Is it something that we can believe? Is it something that, that I believe for my own? So if the evidence there is true, then what do we do with it? 
Do we just keep living the same way? Do we keep being dependent upon ourselves? Are we dependent on somebody else? I believe this, that change, and I've told you this before. I want to say it again, though. Who cares about change? I want to, I want to experience transformation. I can quickly change for a moment, but I, transformation is something that's at your core. And so I want to be transformed right into the likeness of Christ. And, and guess what? I've been, I've been given permission to do that. We read it over and over again. Jesus says, you know, he wants us to be attached to him, that he's true life and that we're supposed to be attached to him. But how about this? Have you... Maybe you've been in a work situation or maybe you've been in a school situation or a job or whatever it is where you've, you've seen a cultural shift happening. And how many of you know culture is something that's ingrained? And when you start to shift culture, some people don't like it. And so here's the deal. Can I just say this? You have a culture in your own life. And when that culture is being challenged and it begins to shift, you sometimes don't like the changes that have to take place. But you come to a reality that, man, okay, this does need to change. Like, I, I need to do this. Here's the cool, I love this about God. He doesn't force you to do it. He's like, oh, you believe in me? You will act this way. Now you're animatronic. You still have choice. And so culture shift happens in us. But here's what I believe. I believe that we are change agents. I believe that our purpose is to change culture around us. See, I I don't think Jesus was kidding when he said, hey, pray like this that your kingdom would come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so that leads us to our last section, which is the cultural difference. And for that, I want to go to Colossians 3, 1 through 17. I want to read a few verses, 1 through 4, and then I want to read 17. I'm just going to summarize 5 through uh, 16. It says this in Colossians 3. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ. And what he's saying there is because because that spirit that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. And I'm going to summarize 5 through um, 16. Stop doing stuff you know is wrong. I would say as a kid we've experienced this. I believe we experience it throughout our lives. If there is a point, and I tell my kids this, if there's a point where you have to come to me and ask, hey, is this wrong? You already know the answer. And we do the same thing as adults. I don't know. Like, is this bad? I, you know, 
You know. Now, I'm not asking you to become this religious, rigid person. But you know the things that are trash in your life that need to be put aside. And, and it goes on, it says this, hey, instead of doing the same old stuff that you've been set free from, that you've, you've focused on this, this reality called earth, set your sights on heaven. And it says this, strip off the old stuff and clothe yourself. And here, I want to read exactly what it says. Clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. What? The scariest thing that could ever happen is there would be more of, you's in the, more of you in the world and more of me in the world. How many times do we try to whittle people down to what we are? And we're broken. We're only okay because we're in Christ. We can't accept people because, oh, well, they just do it different. Okay? They're weird. You're not? You're weird. Okay? I'm weird. We're unique. And so, but we don't want to look at other people for who they are. We always want to fix. Guys want to fix people? Always. How tiring is that? You can't do it. Let Jesus do it. Let the Holy Spirit do it. And what I think what we're going to realize later on is, man, they weren't as messed up as I thought they were. Because I just looked in the mirror and I realized, holy smokes, I got a lot going on. And so the cultural difference. Here's what I'm, I want to I liken it to this. If we just... If we try to keep on the clothes that, that we've been hiking in for a month without showering, I did it for three days, and let me tell you something, I stank, I stunk like a donkey. A don- I mean, I, it was awful, okay? Three days at the Grand Canyon, whoa, okay? A month, though, a month, you reek, you smell like doo-doo. And here's what you try to do. You try over the filthy clothes, over just the nastiness, you try to put new clothes on. You try to show up to an event that's just great. And guess what? Everybody smells right through that. They might not see the disgustingness that's underneath that, but it's there. And you reek. And you try to act like everything's good. That's exactly the picture. Here's what, here's what Jesus is saying. Take off that stuff. Okay? Be cleansed by me, the Holy Spirit, right? Okay? And then put on righteousness. And then put on compassion. And then love people. Now what does that mean? He met me when I reeked and he loved me though. That's what we're called. Meet people who stink like butt and love them. 
meet people who are in all kinds of sin and love them well. Love them into the kingdom. He finishes with this in verse 17. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Dude, can I just encourage you? How much different would our lives be if we just did that? Just those 17 verses if we did that. If we practice it, okay? I mean, let me tell you something. Again, I've said, I know I've said this before. If someone sold you the bill of goods, hey, say this prayer that you believe in Jesus and your life is going to be good. False. Here's what's good. You have an eternal hope. That's what's awesome. It does change the complete perspective of your life. And it should bring change that's real, real transformation that's happening deep within you. And it's a process that we go through, and I believe this, that it's a process that takes us through our entire life. I believe this too. I believe that God is a God of restoration, that we don't believe in Jesus. So one day, one day I can be sitting on my own cloud in my loincloth with my own harp playing the sweetest amazing grace you've ever heard. Slight reverb, digital delay, it's beautiful. Everybody's loving it. Everybody's on their own cloud. We're just doing this thing. It's the, what the heck kind of picture is that? That picture repulses me, first of all. Some of you in a loincloth. Stop, okay? Scott, stop looking at me. Okay, here's the deal. Okay, is this, in all seriousness, that's not the end goal. Hey, say a prayer so that you can have a harp. What? I believe this, that God is restoring all things. That it is our assignment to bring the culture of heaven to earth and begin to change the culture that's around us because the culture in us is being transformed. When we do that, that is what the point of the resurrected life is, that we can actually start living now the life of eternity, that we can bring heaven to earth. Jesus wasn't kidding in the prayer that's called the Lord's Prayer. He's not joking. And so I just want to say, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the resurrection of Christ, we have been tasked with bringing the kingdom of God to the people around us. How does that change our viewpoint on what we're doing? How does that change every interaction that we make with people? And let me tell you, let me just guarantee you something. It won't change unless we actively pursue it. We will just stay the exact same that we are. And so I want you to stand with me. Here's what I want to do this morning. I just want to invite people into this relationship with Jesus Christ. What does that look like? Okay, am I going to say a prayer? Am I going to come up front? Are you going to, you know, give me a bow or something? No. 
Here's what I want. It's a heart, it's a heart thing. Now, what I would love for you to do is, this is right in the middle. There's no sweetness to this. There's an there's a email address, okay? This isn't a gimmick. Calm down. There, Jesus, Jesus at Gmail. Okay, info at Lakeland Vineyard. If this morning you, you say, yeah, I made a decision to follow Jesus, I just want you to email, because here's the worst thing that can happen. You make a decision to follow Christ, and then you try to do it on your own. I believe that Christ calls us to community. And so we want to we be in touch with you, all right? And let me tell you something. It's more than a prayer, all right? It's a life that's running after Jesus. Are, is everything going to go perfect? Are you going to get it all right all the time? No, but that's called the pursuit. And so I just want to encourage you. If, you. if you make a decision this morning, and you please come see me too, all right? But we want to we connect you with people. The second person that I was thinking about when I was preparing this was this. I'm just going to use this terminology. Maybe you're a Christian atheist. What? Maybe you do believe in Christ, but it does. There is a separation in your life. Maybe you believe in Christ as, as this deity that's out there, but it's making no difference in the way that you're living. Let me tell you, can I just say, it's the worst place to be, all right? Because you think everything's okay. And if that's you, and if you're honest with yourself this morning, you say, yeah, my life, it does not follow Christ. Like, if, if people looked at me, they'd be like you, Andy, when that, when that person in ninth grade asked you, you go to church in absolute disbelief that I attended church because I reeked of hell. And so if that's you, I want to I pray right now for you, okay? And can I just say this too? I'm not praying for you from a place of superiority. Dude, ask my wife, okay? And so believe me, we're on this journey together, okay? And so let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you intersect our lives God, there's, there's people here that are actively running away from you. There's people here that are kind of just wandering through life. There's people here that, that have met you and then walked away. And I, God, what I want to pray for this morning is for your Holy Spirit to come and minister. I want to pray that we would make a decision to actively pursue you. Not a religious thing where we're just going to put all these rules on our lives, but it's still the relationship doesn't matter to us. I want to pray that there would be a deep-seated transformation that begins in each one of us. God, that we would onboard onto a journey with you. God, that we would recognize that you have freed us from the slavery of sin and that you have put us to the slavery of righteous living, that you not only just do that, but you equip us with the tools to do it. So, Father, I want to pray for people that maybe have been playing.